0: To Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and now we are going to talk with Russ Henry, who is the owner of Mini Falls Landscaping. We're so glad you could be with us today, Russ.
1: Hi Candy, thanks so much for having me on.
0: Yes, it's great that you're here. Now I was really excited to have you on the show because uh, you have just written an article for the October issue of Natural Awakenings Magazine, and it was such a great article. You submitted it to us, and we were able to get it into the magazine, and uh, you had such good information in it, and I knew if I could get you on the show, we could get even more good information from you.
1: Oh, fun. Thank you. (laughs)
0: One of the things that you did talk about uh, in the article is the importance of, under. well, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so people know why I'm going into this. So tell us a little bit about Minnehaha Falls Landscaping and the work you
1: do. Thanks, Candy. Absolutely. Well, I'm really honored to be here. I love natural awakenings. And um, uh, Minnehaha Falls Landscaping is a business that's rooted in healthy soil. And so I, um, as the owner of the business, I happen to also be a self-professed soil nerd. And so I have spent many years studying soil health, uh, especially microbial health, um, and learning about soil fungi and bacteria and the roles that the creatures in the soil play. And I've used that in our business. Uh, And so we use that uh, to manage organic lawns to grow a very healthy perennial and native gardens, rain gardens, bee lawns, all sorts of exciting landscapes that we manage without the use of any pesticides or fertilizers and using natural uh, fertility from compost.
0: That is really great. Now. Um... As our listeners can tell, you do a lot of different things, and that's why I was so excited to get you on the show today. But before we get started with that, let's talk about soil and why it's so important for us to understand our soil and how we can care for it.
1: Yes. Well, soil is the life support system for planet Earth. And so soil processes our um, waste for us. It produces our food for for us. It produces all of our oxygen. Um, It handles all of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Soil is absolutely fundamental to life on Earth. And without it, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. So it's very important that we manage um, our landscapes at home and our farm landscapes, the the agricultural spaces, um, with uh, keeping a mind towards healthy soil. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that we can do even this fall that can really help out growing healthy soil. Um, in our own backyards,
0: and now is the perfect time to take a look at that because we're all kind of getting ready for winter and and taking a look at maybe doing some cutting down and that type of thing. So, what can we do in particular for our soil to uh, prepare it for winter?
1: Well, thanks so much for asking. You know, um, when I think about soil health, we, we're really thinking about all of the creatures that live in and around the soil, and so caring for them. So, let's see. Starting with caring for the plants. Um, You know, uh, we do oftentimes do a lot of cutback in the fall time. And um, one of the things I like to focus on is cutting back the plants that will turn to mush by -hmm. springtime. So that's hostas, and daylilies, sometimes some of our food produce plants, you know, tomatoes and these kind of things. They'll turn into lettuce and those kind of things. They'll turn into mush before uh, spring comes. And so I will cut them back so I don't have to deal with that mushiness. Whereas plants that, native plants, uh, grasses, Joe pie wheat, uh, milkweed, um, echinacea, and, and uh, black-eyed Susans, all of these types of plants, I think it's very important to try to leave some of those standing throughout the winter season. Um, not only because they're beautiful to look at as they catch the first few snowfalls of the season, but also the pollinators really require the use of those grasses and dead plant material to make their nests in the spring. So ground nesting bees, 60% of bees in Minnesota nest in the ground and they use, they chew up the, uh, the uh, dead plant material and they spit it out making it a form of paper that they make their nests from underground. Mm. Um, so very important that we leave some of that material up. Um, uh, so that's, that's kind of, that's a first part. Um, do you do cutbacks in your garden, Candy?
0: I do. And I actually, when I read the article, I started thinking, maybe I'm cutting back too much. Um, I came from the home that I came from before I moved down here, we had a lot of gardens and we kind of cut back everything. And I think I probably cut back too much, but it's good to know. And I know there are certain plants that get really, really mushy and I don't want to deal with them in the spring. So it's good to know that because uh, I'll be more careful with it this year. I haven't started cutting back. We only cut back our hostas and daylilies so far. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm safe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, um, cutbacks uh, are one part of fall maintenance. And then, of course, there's, dealing with leaves and raking the leaves. And so, um, you know, I always like to say that it's important to get the leaves off of the lawn spaces. So if we're trying to manage an organic lawn, we really wanna make sure that we're not overwhelming it with leaves every fall. They will mat down on the lawn, they'll, they'll they'll kind of smoosh ground covers. Uh, including grass and other ground covers in our garden. So very low plants, I'll keep the leaves off of, and I'll, I'll rake the leaves off of those. But I'll use the leaves, and I'll rake them underneath the shrubs. Uh, I'll put them uh, up around trees for mulch. Um, all kinds of great ways to use the, the leaves in the garden. You can put them in your compost bin. Um, using, Think of them as a free ground cover, a free mulch is really mm-hmm. is really kind of the... the um, the essential there. And um, the one, one thing I get asked quite a lot, and I think it's kind of an important point is, Russ, should I be chopping up my leaves for fall time? And I always say, no, let's don't chop up our leaves. And here's the reason why. A lot of moths and butterflies will make their cocoons in the leaves at, in the fall time before the leaves fall to the ground. And so they're actually relying on the leaves for protection all throughout the growing season, and so um, you know it's important that we go ahead and, and scoop those leaves off of our ground covers, but you know keep them intact and put them, use them as, as the free mulch that they can be.
0: And it, it is amazing how much they do mulch down in the during the winter time. I know we used to always put ours underneath or throughout our raspberries. So we would take almost all the leaves in the yard and just kind of put them in our raspberry patches and our, over our strawberries and that type of thing. And they do. I mean, by the time spring comes and early summer, it just is nice to have that those leaves there. And you really don't have to do a lot with them then in right. the spring.
1: Right. You know, and another great use for leaves comes to mind is uh, folks who have, you know, kind of dogs in the backyard that love to run along the fence line back and forth, back and forth. And they're asking me all the time, well, what do I do here? Because the grass won't grow. I say, put the free leaves there every year as the leaves fall. Just rake them all on top of that dog run area and let the dogs run back and forth and, and uh, they can trample it down. It will also catch the dog's le- leavings. <laughs> and um, and compost them.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. All right. So one of the things that I know um, you really are known for, and that you're really passionate about, is doing uh, is having the native perennial gardens. Yeah. This is something that you do a lot for your customers here in the Twin Cities.
1: Yes, we make pollinator gardens all over the place, and we just love it. It's one of our favorite things to do. And so a pollinator garden is going to have uh, something blooming in it at all different times of the growing season. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're having early season blooms like flower and scilla and crocus, and moving into mid-season blooms, you know, like... um, uh, wild blue indigo and uh, and uh, Cholone, a, t- a turtle head and and then moving further down into the season into joe pieweed and and um, uh, all, all of our summer blooming plants and so we then even in the fall with asters and such, so we really keep the blooms going that 's important to be able to provide food for the pollinators all season and then we like to think about the gardens as um, and this is something that, that really helps with all types of gardens, especially if you're looking at low maintenance, spreading plants are our friends.
0: Mm-hmm. And a
1: lot of times we thought of spreading plants as being the enemy. But if we start thinking about blending um, Multiple canopy layers of spreading plants throughout our garden spaces, that is what actually keeps weeds out on the long term, and it acts as a living mulch covering the ground in green, creating more of a system, a living ecosystem, as opposed to the kind of plant mulch, plant mulch, that we see in a lot of gardens, you know, where there's a lot of space between the mulch or between the plants. Um, and so what, you know, what, we, what we like to do is put, fill our gardens with an abundance of spreading plants that will um, grow and form a ecosystem that actually goes through a, a bit of ecosystem succession as the homeowner enjoys it over the years.
0: So what are, what are some of the plants that you use for that?
1: Well, you know, our favorites for bringing in, for instance, the the monarch butterflies, we like to call them mega monarch magnets. And that is swamp milkweed. And any kind of milkweed is good, but we do see more caterpillars on the swamp milkweed than any other kind of milkweed. Um, uh, Joe pieweed, absolutely essential. The uh, the early uh, returning butterflies as they're flying back down from Canada, going back down towards Mexico again, um, they love that Joe Pye weed. And then the absolute favorite of all Monarchs is the Meadow Blazing Star. And Meadow Blazing Star, Liatris ligustylus, is um, a, a plant that I have, I have about 20 of these plants, Liatris plants on my boulevard. They're kind of a tall, narrow plant. And I'll have one or two Monarch butterflies per plant oh at all goodness. different times as they're migrating through. And so as people are walking down the sidewalk in front of my house, they always stop in wonder and amazement as the butterflies just kind of encircle them as they're going past the that and stuff.
0: Oh, that is so cool. So are there any kinds of um, ground cover plants that you try to stay away from, you shy away from a little bit?
1: That's a good question. You know, I think the highest maintenance form of ground cover is Kentucky bluegrass you know, our standard issue lawns. And I always love to say that the best lawn is a garden. Now, um, we, we do care for lawns and we do so in an organic manner. So we never use any herbicides or pesticides on our lawns. And instead we uh, focus on soil health. And oftentimes we encourage folks to grow bee lawns. And so oh. that's something we actually intentionally blend in things like white clover and you can get uh, many different native bees coming around and getting food living from your lawn.
0: Oh, that is really cool. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break, because uh, I want to get into that a little bit more about what types of plants you want to put into those bee lawns in order to attract the bees um, and still have a beautiful looking lawn that you can enjoy every year. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So, for people who want to learn more about what Russ uh, about Russ and the work he does, visit minihahahfallslandscape.com or call 612-724-5454. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and we will be back in just a moment. Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Braffel, and today we're visiting with Russ Henry, owner of Minnehaha Falls Landscaping. So, Russ, just before the break, we were starting to talk about bee lawns, yeah. and uh, you just gave us a little hint of what, what we might be uh, discussing within that. But I know that you have certain plants that you like to include in bee lawn. So first of all, help us understand what a bee lawn is.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for asking. As a lifelong landscaper, bee lawns are one of the most exciting nutrient new, um, new trends in landscaping that has come about that, that I've ever seen. So a bee lawn is essentially it's a lawn that you don't have to mow mm. and that is filled with blooming plants that you can walk on but that also attract bees and butterflies and other pollinators so that your lawn is actually participating in the ecosystem in a beneficial way. So a few of the uh, the plants that go into a bee lawn, already most people probably already have. Um, white clover. Most people pro- probably already have white clover in the lawn. But white clover, what a lot of folks don't know, white clover will feed over 50 different species of Minnesota native bees,
0: Wow. No, I didn't know that.
1: Right. That's the Dutch white clover. Um, And then uh, you've got self-heal, Prunella vulgaris. That's that's also included in the bee lawn mix. That's a purple bloomer and uh, a member of the mint family. um, Spreads out, makes a wonderful, low-growing, walkable uh, lawn-type plant. Um, And as a purple bloomer, I love it because it helps us uh, kind of take the burden of uh, fighting creeping Charlie away from, from us because it, it's the same color as Charlie. So if you have Charlie in the lawn, which is also great for bees, um, you can stop worrying about it if you plant this bee lawn mix that'll help blend in that, tr- that Charlie with other bloomers. Uh, another bloomer in the mix is, um, is creeping time. And that one in the sunny lawns is so beautiful, smells so nice. And altogether, you're feeding over 75 species of Minnesota native bees with that bee lawn mix. Now, the bee lawn also has a grass component. Mm -hmm. And the grass in the bee lawn mix is a no mow grass. So that's fescue grass. And uh, that's already been popularized quite a bit as a no mow lawn mix uh, on its own. But when you mix the rest of these, uh, plants in with it and then you get the bee lawn.
0: So why why do they call it a no mow? Do you absolutely you don't have to mow the lawn with it? How does it but, just stay very low?
1: Yeah no it doesn't stay very low it stays about ankle height um, and it kind of uh, uh, kind of waves over um, it grows kind of in these beautiful waves and it looks kind of like a low growing meadow um, as it's as it's as it's growing through the lawn. Um, you can mow it. So it's, a, you know, it's kind of interesting to note that almost the entire University of Minnesota campus is made out of fescue. Um, oh, all, yeah, all of their lawns are, are grown with fescue, but they they mow them once a week. And so you you can mow it if you want to. But the beauty of the fescue grass is that you can take your summer to to read some books, and <laughs> uh, you know, and maybe uh, smoke some some veggies out on the grill and uh, enjoy a glass of wine. It's uh, you know, it's something that gives folks their time back when we stop kind of fighting the lawn at growing every week and transition towards a bee lawn. We can really get some of our our, our rest and relaxation back.
0: And how nice is it to think about? Just being able to walk out into your yard and having all the all the different um, bees and butterflies and different things that you're going to attract, but not only that, but you have the softness of the grass, you have the smell of the thyme, you have the smell of the the different plants that are there. I mean, what a great opportunity for to do something a little bit different instead of just having a plain green lawn. Yeah. And
1: I understand, you know, a lot of neighbors have the plain green lawn and there's that, there's still that aesthetic that is dominant. And um, one of the things we help our clients in kind of figuring that, that kind of um, cultural component out is we offer a really nice looking sign that you can put in your, in your bee lawn. It's got a beautiful picture of a bee on it and it says bee lawn. And um, it just makes the whole thing look much more intentional. Like oh, you know that's not just a weedy lawn; they're doing that on purpose. it's a bee lawn, and hopefully the these kind of signs will maybe drive a little bit more of the of the culture around it
0: and the understanding well, that's awesome, so one of the things that I know you do, and I don't want to lose track of this because so many people are now spending more time in our in our yards more than ever yes. um, as we have been kind of staying home more and um. Getting more in touch with our with our actual home lives, but you guys do uh, hardscaping as well.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. And you know, you know, uh, Candy, it, your experience of what you're telling me, I, I, it just resonates entirely. We have been inundated with folks uh, this year coming to us to. Um, to, to look at their space, to deal with their space, to design their space, because they're sitting at home now, not able to go on vacation, not able to go out to eat, spending a lot more time in the yard. And they're looking at these projects that they've always had in the back of their mind and they're wanting to get them done, or they're wanting to find out what can we do with this space? So we offer, we have a landscape architect, very talented man named Tom Kirby on staff. And he, uh, he designs full landscapes for folks, including patios and walkways, retaining walls um, and we spend all spring summer and fall installing all of these things and we love making natural stone retaining walls and walkways and patios um, as well as uh, cement paver patios and and uh, we just you know we tailor it to meet our clients' needs and their desires for the design
0: you know it just gives you so much more space to your home as well and so many of us are feeling kind of you know Trapped in our homes, but this allows you to have that more space to to really be able to take advantage of what you have. So what a great opportunity. And now is the perfect time for people to really call on you because this winter you spend kind of planning out all of those projects that you have next spring.
1: Oh, yes. We'll be designing some really fun projects, and we'd love to get your projects on the roster. Right now, we're doing work that we know this winter we'll be working on designs for some outdoor kitchens, um, some outdoor play spaces, an adventure scape in someone's backyard, some very fun stuff. So we can have all kinds of fun in the landscape, and I'd love to talk to the N950 listeners about their their landscapes.
0: Well, great. And I know you also have rain gardens and other things I wish we could have gotten into in this show. But for people who want to learn more, simply go to minihahafallslandscape.com or call 612-724-5454. Again, that's 612-724-5454. Well, thank you, Russ, for being with us today. We certainly appreciate our time together.
1: Thank you, Candy. It was a pleasure.
0: And thank you for joining the conversation as we awaken to natural health. To read the online edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine or to check out our complete online calendar of events, visit natural You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com or Apple and Google Podcasts. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day.
1: Lovely love day love the day love 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 day